Welcome to the Toka Backstage Podcast. Join Toka's Executive Director, Chris Wolf, in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation's performances and events. Hi, and welcome again to another edition of Toka Backstage. I am honored and pleased and just tickle pink to have with me today, Mr. Rick Farrell. Rick is an agent with ICM. He has been our one true champion judge for South Bay's Got Talent through the very beginning, I believe. And I wanted to get his take on, as a judge, what he looks for and maybe some suggestions for people who might be considering participating in South Bay's Got Talent again. And just so you know, the auditions for South Bay's Got Talent will be Monday and Tuesday, September 3rd and 4th, with the performance on September 28th. And I know it's still early yet, Rick, but we've, I've got my fingers crossed that so we, we can get you back again. So thanks for taking the time, Rick. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. And yeah, I'm sure I'll re-up for another year because I look forward to it every year. What is this, the sixth year coming up I, or the fifth? Fifth or sixth, I think, yeah. yeah. It, and I have to say, your comments and your feedback to the artists and your encouragement is just amazing and people really appreciate it. And I, I personally just appreciate your time that you take to do it because I know it's a, it makes for a long day. Of course. So as a judge of something, a talent show like this, what do you typically look for? I mean, how do you go about judging something that you, you've never seen before? Well, in a situation like this, we're not talking about professional musicians. So basically what I'm doing is trying to find the best in everyone. I don't think that it's really constructive to just criticize people without giving compliments to their, really their skills. You need to encourage at this stage because a lot of people are younger. I know that it's an all ages competition, but a lot of people are younger and you just never know what it will lead to. Giving people the right encouragement, pointing out their positive uh, qualities, and then in addition, giving some constructive criticism is, I think, the best way to encourage people to move forward and make it to the next level. And at this stage of the game, I'm not down there looking to sign talent, so I don't have as high of a threshold where I, I have my expectations really high because... It's not something that I'm criticizing to the level of, are you going to be a client of mine in the future? It's just trying to bring out the positive qualities and give them some kind of guidance. We have seen like everything throughout. I mean, and, and I can talk to you because you've seen them all. I mean, we had a yo-yo guy. We've had dancers. When somebody who may not have gotten a high score or didn't win says, well, what gives them the right to judge a talent to say a dance because you're primarily music how would you respond to somebody who may criticize your judging of that i have been to so many shows whether it's things i work with or are, am just a fan of and we all go to these numerous showcases and see the highest level of talent in all of these areas that i really feel like i have a good enough base to be able to criticize. But then at the same time, there are judges in a number of judges that have specialties in different disciplines side by side. So I may sit back and let 
one of the other judges give a little bit more, be a more vocal about a feedback on, on a certain act than I am. But at the same time, I think uh, the skill that, that these artists have shine through and you can tell the good from the bad. I might not be able to give them the most detailed, constructive criticism as somebody else who is, a, say, a dance specialist or somebody else in a different discipline. But at the same time, I've gone to the opera, I've gone to the symphony, I go to dance programs, and I've seen the highest caliber of talent across the board. So I can tell when something is good or something is bad. And I have to just say, I can, following you on Facebook, I can attest to that because you really do go to every, I don't think there's a show in LA that you haven't seen. (laughs) I'm in awe of your your stamina when it comes to seeing shows. And and you were just at a festival this week, right? Yeah, I was just at Bottle Rock up in Napa for three days, got there at noon or one each day and left at 10 p.m. and saw probably a dozen, a minimum of a dozen acts each day. And I don't know how many steps. I don't have one of those things, but I would guess about <laughs> 20,000 per day. <laughs> and I mean, you, when it comes to music, I kind of look at to you as sort of like a, I don't know, a guru, because first of all, business-wise, you represent such a wide range of talent. You also go to every single show that, I mean, it's like if somebody were to follow me on all the shows, you can kind of see sort of an arc of, of my taste. But if someone said, what's Rick Farrell's favorite music to me, I would say, I have no clue because he sees everything. Yeah. Is that for business or pleasure or both? It's for both. I'd say about a quarter of the shows I go to are for work and the rest are just for fun. I see the fact that I have the access to these shows as a big perk in my job. And sometimes you run into people there at the gig and it makes for just good networking but a lot of the times i'm going strictly for fun just to enjoy the artists i sign up for song kick and bands in town and i get the notification as soon as the shows are announced or go on sales so i put it on my calendar right away buy tickets right away i do buy a lot of tickets too i get access to some shows for free because maybe it's a general admission venue but If I want to sit and have a good seat, I sign up, I buy my ticket and, you know, I'll go take a guest, whether it's my wife or whether it's a buddy who wants to see the show as well There's nothing like seeing a show with another fan as opposed to somebody who you're dragging along. So (laughs) if my wife doesn't want to go, she gives me the green light and I, (laughs) I go with whoever I think is going to be the most fun and it's Kind of like research in some ways, like sometimes you're like, I just want to know if this act is still good or it's part of the gig being dialed in. I feel, I know that a lot of people don't subscribe to that, but I just feel like being out on the scene, seeing all this music gives me a little bit of an edge, just knowing the product that's out there a little bit better. Sure. And so going back to like South Bay's Got Talent, part of the reason why I created this was because I thought it was important to give people, and no matter of what age, the opportunity to have a place to perform and to get feedback from professionals. And I was just, when I started this, I never thought I would get the caliber of judges like you and, and Rachel and your wife and all the other people that have volunteered. I have a deep sense of and wanting to sort of nurture younger talent. And I know that that's something that you sort of appreciate too. 
as a young performer is trying to find their way, what recommendations, what steps would you suggest to them to how to move themselves along in this business? I think that focusing on the craft is really the, the most essential because back in the day, you would have young people, they'd train for four or five years before they'd ever be seen by anybody. And now people, their first week of piano lessons are posting videos on YouTube and asking why they're not getting more followers. And I think it's really important like that girl with a guitar in her bedroom for four years or that teenage boy playing piano for years and years and then coming out and having the nerve to play in public for the first time and you realize that they're really good. I think a lot of that is kind of uh, lost. And I think that focusing on being good and if you're going to be a songwriter on really good songs, uh, creating the best songs that you can Sometimes as a, as a vocalist, singing other people's songs is a great way to get noticed. But then really in order to move the needle for yourself is not to do covers, to do something original. If that's dance, it's training, discipline, and getting the skill set before you try to really go out there and present yourself. Because you can only have one chance to make a first impression and if you're not quite there yet and you get a look from professionals, you're seen as not having the level of skill yet. So I think focusing on the training and the craft a lot more than trying to do anything with social media and those type of things. Now, there are artists who are putting things up on YouTube and SoundCloud and Instagram. And I think that all goes along with it to a degree. But I think the primary focus needs to be the art. I couldn't agree with you more. That is, I, I find that so true where people will post anything online and you, they get disappointed that, well, there's no followers, but they've forgotten that the key is really the art. And even then, I, I've talked to people who like bands and who've asked about representation and, and I'll say, well, where's your goal? Where do you want to be in five years? And one band said, well, I want to I wanna win a Grammy. And I'm like, well, if that's why you're doing this, then stop it. Because that's not a reason to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it has to be, I think artists are, are sort of like bred to do it because they have to. They, it's like they don't know another way. And what would you tell parents? Because I know we do get a lot of parents who bring their kids to this event. What would you tell them when they say, well, I want to get them out more, doing more shows? Do you think that's sort of the next stepping stone? Or is it just really stay inside and focus on your art before you try and get out there? Well, there are channels for young people and amateurs to do this without really trying to get the attention of labels yet or casting directors, that kind of thing, where you're doing community projects, whether it's things in a school, like if you're taking piano lessons or if you're taking dance classes, you can eventually have performance opportunities through those organizations and regular channels before you try and go make it on Broadway or try to get an agent or a record deal. Kind of following that path while at the same time getting experience and moving into the next level naturally, matriculating through the ranks as opposed to trying to leapfrog. Now, if you have like this child prodigy who's like so amazing that they clearly are head and shoulders above 
then they may leapfrog and, and jump ahead. But a lot of times it has to do with discipline, experience. And, you know, I think one of the things about the talent contest, America, uh, about South Bay's Got Talent, is that it allows the artists to experience that pressure performing at a professional level in the state-of-the-art theater where they don't have the same level of pressure, but they're starting to feel and see what that's like. So they get a little experience and the next time they go into something at that level, they're not as intimidated. It's something that they've been through before, something they've got a little bit more comfort with. So I think that it's something where parents need to be encouraging, but I don't think that they should be so domineering that they're dictating this is what you have to do, like the the stage parent syndrome where the parent wants it more than the child. It's a balance having the, the parents encourage you, but not pushing you too hard. I'm curious, is there a type of performer that you haven't seen at South Bay's Got Talent that you would like to see? I would say just personally, I love blues and soul artists. I'd love to see something like that. I love the variety that you have so far uh, between dance, world, uh, vocalists, instrumentalists. I think that right now you really cover a lot of the bases Sometimes, and I know this can be difficult, I'd, I'd probably like to see more group dance stuff, which I know you have had. Sometimes it comes down to like one or two people dancing and, and that can be cool. And actually the winner a couple of years ago, and I concur with her winning, was a solo dance performer and she was incredible. That little girl, yeah, she was great. Yeah, I think she was like nine or 10. But it is a different kind of skill set to see really tight choreography that's in sync and and so that's a different level of appreciation of dance that that i would like to see more of but it's already got the quite the diverse spectrum of performers already so i can't think of anything else uh there are classically inclined vocalists as well as pop and so i think that that it covers a lot of territory already i would love to see more variety performers I don't think we've gotten any like magicians or, or clowns or, or that kind of thing, but that's just me. I know that like a lot of people think that being famous is like the, the end all be all, but, and they're, they're often taking, trying to get the, the fast track to that as opposed to really just focusing in on the art. And I read a thing today that was about that songwriting competition TV show where the producers are having the people like sign away their royalties for the, the, the songs. Do you think that like America's Got Talent and those large spectacle shows, what's your take on those shows? There's the voice, there's the songwriting competition, there's America's Got Talent. Do you think that that's helping the industry or the artist or, or not? I do. I really do. I think it gives certain artists a platform in order to be seen. I think there are certain genres where if you go on one of those shows, you're not taken as seriously. You know, I think it's great for pop. It's great for country. The things that we've seen come out of that shows that have been successful, like Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood are a couple of great success stories. And then Terry Fader is another one who has been in Vegas for the last 12 years since he won the show. There have, it has 
given artists a platform to be seen and have some of this talent really shine through. Look at Jennifer Hudson. You know, there are some artists, Fantasia, who we work with, and they've taken that platform and used it to catapult themselves to the next level. Now, there are also a lot of artists who have done well on that show and you've never heard from them again. I know that there are certain contracts in place that if you make it to like the top five, then you have to sign a management deal with the production company or a certain agency. And it's put into the contract before you start competing in the contest. And it could be a good thing, or it could be perceived as limiting your options in the future. I think signing away the rights to things have you written is, it's a tough call. Most artists say, keep your publishing and you know, just license it, not end up giving it away or selling it. But there's also the philosophy right for them now. And eventually you'll be clear and you'll be able to write more. And at that point, you'll be able to to retain it. So getting the opportunity sometimes could be worth giving something up. But I really do think that this is where a lot of people, agents included, are looking for the next big thing. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it's really interesting to see how there's some that just catapult and like Kelly Clarkson and they have a, a really long career, but then there's those, there are those winners who you never hear from again. And plus, I always wonder, is it them? Is it their choice? Is it management? I mean, so you would recommend then somebody looking to break out to try their hand at one of these shows? I would, depending on the genre. If somebody's going to be like a bluegrass performer or an Americana performer, it doesn't feel like it has the same impact because it gives that fan base a little bit of a cringe like, oh, they were on American Idol. They're that kind of, and it kind of gives them this perception that they're not as genuine or what have you. They just give a negative impression of the artist. So if you're going to go in the pop category, R&B category, or even a classical, I think that the talent shows are, are there. And then when it comes to like America's Got Talent, the dance, like Diavolo, I know they were out there for years and years, and then they come along and get this platform and and all of a sudden they're taking off and playing big theaters and, and doing ticket sales where before it was a struggle. So I think that there are disciplines where it's good for. There's a guy who I'm a big fan of named Jonah Smith. He was on America's Got Talent a while back and the judges loved him. He went all the way to like the top 10 and he's a great soulful singer. And I went to his shows like six months after that and he's still playing the same clubs. It was really surprising to me. He didn't make it to that tour, the America's Got Talent tour, because he didn't make it to the top five. So he didn't have that additional platform. But I also think that there are certain behavioral aspects of of people who watch TV that don't necessarily translate into them going out to see shows, especially like in a club. Maybe they'll go to theaters, sit down show, but not necessarily going and standing at a GA club. So there's an and some people who watch tv will never go and and see a live performance so you might be creating some new fans it's trying to figure out how to stay connected with them and capitalize on that new audience that you've gained and sometimes 
it's just hard to maintain that. And I never actually thought about that, but that's very true that you have these shows where people are, are invested from their living rooms, but it doesn't necessarily translate into additional ticket sales for them. Yeah, they may be the type of person who will never go to a live show, but you've got to figure out, is there a way you can connect with them? And it's hard. They might not be the type of person who will ever buy a ticket or an album, but maybe you can get them on your Facebook feed, you know, to follow you. And those are all building blocks into into building that audience and awareness, but it might not translate into somebody buying a ticket. I hope that young performers are listening to this because this is, I think this is really valuable information. And I, I also think that it's also good for them to take away that if truly the performing arts is your passion, there are other areas and genres that you can get into. You can become a presenter, you can become a manager, agent, whatever. If you truly are passionate about the performing arts, then stick with it and continue on. So, but getting back to South Bay's Got Talent, I will hold you to your word that we're going to bring you back and hopefully China will join us this year. I know she was unable to last year. I know you can't speak for your wife, but... Uh, <laughs> What's the date again? Let me put it on the calendar now. <laughs> it's Saturday, September 28th. Okay. All right. I've got it down. I've got two other things written down here, but I will forego those. <laughs> Ohana Festival and the Sammy Hagar Beach Festival are both that day. but Well, no. this will be much more fun than the Sammy Hagar Beach Festival, I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> and in talking to a young performer preparing themselves to try to get on a, you know, South Bay's Got Talent. Granted, it's not America's Got Talent. There's not, while there's a little cash in it for the winners, there's not a, a signing or a Vegas deal. But words of wisdom would you give somebody getting ready to, to try out for South Bay's Got Talent? I think that enjoy the experience, be conscious of both what's going on around you and what the other performers are going through. You can find camaraderie with other performers that help lead to opportunities for you in the future. I always encourage developing artists that I'm working with to talk to the other artists that they meet at gigs, whether it's the headliner if they have the opportunity or other artists on the festival because people enjoy working with people they respect and like. And if you're a good performer and they see that, there may be an opportunity later that comes from the fact that you just have a relationship. So not just tunneling down into your own zone, make sure that you reach out and connect with the other performers. You never know where they're going to be next. They could be, like you said, taking a, a job and working at a performing arts center and realize, hey, this is a person that I thought had a lot of talent back then and I want to check in and see where they are today and maybe it's something we can use. Or they might be a headlining artist who you might be able to open for or you could just collaborate with artistically. So in addition to doing your best at the, at the competition, trying to network in some levels with the other performers just to make a connection so that they remember who you are in the future too. Brilliant words of wisdom, and I hope people people pay attention to that because uh, that's very true. And and even for locally, I mean, we uh, the Torrance Culture Arts Foundation will reach out to performers who performed in South Bay's Got Talent to do work with some of our cabaret performers and and opening acts. Uh, that's words of wisdom there. So again, the auditions are May or Monday and Tuesday, September third and fourth, and the performance is Saturday, September twenty eighth. 
if you'd like to meet Mr. Rick Farrell in person, <laughs> either get your ticket or, or come audition. And Rick, thank you so much for taking the time. I certainly do appreciate it. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. Take care.